This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me is our Chief Liverpool Correspondent, both home and away, Paul Ghost. Hi Paul. Hello Ian. Well, also, we've got two special guests with us today. We have, uh, from the Press Association, the Chief Football Writer, Simon Peach. Hi Si. Hi, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks for asking. Paul didn't. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a nice kind of guy. Well, let's leave that there. And also... He spends so- less time with you than I do. Well, that's true, yeah. Uh, also, somebody who spends a bit more time with me, not in that way though, it's... Uh, the Merseyside football correspondent, Chris McKenna from the Daily Star. Hello. Hello, Ian. I'm not going to ask how you are because I know you're all right. Yes, and th- big thanks to the plane that's just gone overhead as well. Hopefully you can hear what I'm saying. Now, we're here at a... Where, where exactly are we? We're by the main train station in Naples, looking ahead to Liverpool's game against Napoli, the Champions League opener, Group A opener, Paul. And uh, they come here not exactly in, shall we say, top form in the Premier League. No, um, I think the Bournemouth game aside, Liverpool's... Season has been bordering on awful, if we're being honest. You know, they've dropped nine points already. How many did they drop last season? 22, I think. It wasn't many, was it? No, so um, they, they really haven't started. Well, after obviously that defeat at Manchester United just compounded it. What was an average start turned into a, a pretty poor one, and they haven't really got going. After obviously the 98th minute winner against Newcastle, <clears throat> kind of a little bit of a stick and plaster over the wound. Um, injuries. Left, right, and centre. Arthur Mello's come in. I'm not too sure whether he's the, the answer long term, if we're being honest. So, pretty much across the board, Klopp is a uh, little bit embattled at the moment, isn't he? And hopefully, the the thought process will be that the uh, Champions League can kind of kickstart the season in a way. You know, a little bit of a break from the Premier League struggles and the back on the continents where they still are feared. Um, you know, three of the last four finals, or you know, being the three finals since 2018 was it so um, you certainly you know still a massive team in Europe so uh, they need to start reminding people yeah. of that I guess I mean Simon you dip in and out with watching Liverpool watching them from a distance you have, you have actually covered a few games recently I mean what's been your take on the way things have been this season compared to last year I'm surprised um, I I know there's been midfield issues and things like that and that's been a it's a very important area of any side especially Liverpool but I don't know put it this way I put in a bunch of Liverpool defenders in my fantasy team this year thinking that <laughs> they are sure fire clean sheets and it's just not been the way I was at the Bournemouth game and and, and at the United game and the, I thought they'd turn the corner I thought that was I thought that's when they were going to kick on Bournemouth were dreadful don't get me wrong but it was just the way that Liverpool were moving the way they were interchanging I just thought right they're back and then the Newcastle game was a real real struggle and lucky in the end that that Carvalho goal just as you said it was a sticking plaster I, I don't know it's been peculiar and they can't afford many more slip-ups I don't think if they stand any chance of keeping pace with Man City but that said Man City have dropped a few points the fact that Man United are two points behind Man City suggests that even after their wretched start to the season that it's still open so I don't think all's lost and Bournemouth are only two points behind Liverpool, Chris. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, that's the <laughs> way. That, yeah, that is, that is actually true. That's true. Yeah, they got, <laughs> that's, 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 that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. Yeah, they got, they got two wins. They beat Villa, didn't they? Oh, beat course, Forest, yeah. and they had a goalless draw. Somewhere. The goal difference yeah. is yeah. slightly worse than yes. the scores, which is a problem. But you were at the the derby on yeah. Saturday. I mean, we've done a podcast already, looking back at that game. What was your just your quick take on it in the sense of where? 
you think it kind of leaves Liverpool standing? Is it representative of where they are at the moment? Um, look, a derby, I know it's a cliche, but derby is a derby, and, and Everton fought to nail in that game, and Jordan Pickford doesn't have the game he has, and Liverpool might have won that game 2 0, and it looks very differently. That late chance for Mo Salah even goes in, and everybody's saying, oh, Mo Salah's back, he's, he's, he's suddenly got a goal, and everything's fine, but it's fine margins, whatever. But I think Liverpool have kind of, not issues, the midfield is a big problem with the injuries, but they've, they're changing their attack. Sadio Mane's left Darwin Nunes comes in then gets suspended and then they have to kind of go backwards with bringing from not backwards but back to what they were more used to with Firmino back in and then Darwin Nunes comes back in again and I think people aren't used to the movements he makes the runs he makes etc etc and he's not as much as a link player as Firmino so that's a big thing but as well I think even in the defence he got the injury to Canati. Now, looking at the end of last season, he played in a lot of the big games, and I think this season, Klopp would have he would have been his main partner alongside Van Dijk. Suddenly, that defence is a bit unsettled by him coming out. Matip's not has had fitness issues as well, so there is, it's it's not just the midfield. I think that everything's not just clicking at either end of the pitch. So, the derby was a tight game in. in it was goalless but there was a lot a lot of chances and Liverpool should have taken some of them I know Pickford had great saves and then it looks different but I really felt yeah it's where they are it's maybe not as ruthless not as clinical as they have been in the past but in a weird way they didn't lose any ground at the weekend um, City dropped points Arsenal dropped points they're not saying Arsenal are title contenders or certainly not yet but Liverpool are closer to the top of the table this week than they were last week which is not a bad thing either. Maybe I have a bit more of an outside perspective, so maybe I'm wrong, but the talk of like how bad the season starts is, but if you look at the last three games, two wins and a draw, it's not yeah. awful. I know the standards at Liverpool are exceedingly high and they've got to be to keep pace with Man City, but it's not that much wrong. You've got Yota coming back, you've got Darwin, who hopefully won't headbutt anyone for a while, so <laughs> he'll be around. Salah, you'd think, is a game away from just clicking into gear eventually. Again, hopefully for my fantasy team. Um, so I, I don't think it's... I know it's easy to get wrapped up in it, but it really isn't... I don't think Liverpool are that far off really clicking and building ahead of steam. Is the problem, Ghosty, the fact that while you look at certain teams like Arsenal, they look like they've improved. United have certainly improved. Admittedly, not hard for them to improve. Tottenham have improved. Not Maybe not Chelsea, but Liverpool look as though they... Not so much haven't even improved, but they may have gone backwards a little bit. But then... You look at the reasons why we mentioned Canati not playing. The midfield yeah. is all over the place. You know, Matip's uh, not Matip, but Thiago's not playing. And then Nunes went missing for three games while they're trying to bed him in because Mane's gone. So you had three big players not playing there compared to the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, not only has Canati been injured, as Chris says, he played in some big games and he started the Champions League final, the FA Cup semi final. Um, not sure whether he started the FA Cup final, but Matip was injured as well, wasn't he? So you're relying on Joe Gomez there, who hasn't played since about two years. But the, the thing is about years. that is that Gomez has probably been Liverpool's best player yeah, he's, just he's, he's overall been, in the last good, couple yeah. of games. Um, and then the, the worry has been more Van Dijk than anyone yeah, else. Yeah, and I think that kind of illustrates the point of how much Evan else is a bit off colour at the moment because Gomez comes into the team and normally you'd be looking at taking a few games to get up to speed back at centre back in the Premier League, and he's looked good, and that's because. Alexander Arnold's been below par, Robertson's been hit and miss, Van Dijk is probably in his worst run of form as a Liverpool player at the moment. And then you've 
got Henderson who's just picked up an injury Thiago's played 50 minutes Naby Keita hasn't played all season obviously Chamberlain has been out since July and then further up the field Nunes has been out for three games at a time we really could have done with them Jota's only just come back so um, before we go any further can I just say that we've been sat at this restaurant outside for about an hour not a single plane has gone over and the minute we started doing this podcast sounds like we're on the runway (laughs) 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 sorry Paul you were saying just yeah I mean there are mitigating factors behind it the the run of form but um, it does look worrying at the moment normally you know a draw in the, in the Mayside derby at Goodison Park is, is no great calamity, is it? Liverpool have drawn nine of the last 11. Um, and a defeat at United can happen because it's Manchester United. But when you when you put them together with the draw at home to Palace, the draw at Fulham, the, the kind of last gasp with it against Newcastle, um, the Bournemouth game is a bit of an anomaly, wasn't it? Because, you know, they're once in a generation results 9-0. So... Um, yeah, I mean, no, sadly, they're not once in a generation for Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> once, once a year, it's an annual event. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So, there are issues, and the longer it goes on, the more that we're going to be, um, you know, musing on it, shall we say, on podcasts. Chris, you obviously speak a lot around you know, Jurgen Klopp at press conferences and after games. Have you noticed any kind of change in his demeanour, any kind of change in his character, the way things have gone so far this season? Really not. I, I find him actually he's been in quite a good mood in a lot of the weeks. He doesn't seem to be, if he is feeling any stress from the state, he doesn't seem to be showing it. Do you think and that's partly because he knows exactly why things are the way they are? Possibly, yeah. Um, I think he... Even in before the start of the season, I think he felt it was going to be a tough start. Yeah. Before even the injury started and that, because he talked about his, his complaints about the pre-season and there was a quote where he said that they would carry the, basically their pre-season into the season. So I think he had a feeling that they weren't going to be up to speed. He probably thought, OK, Fulham, that's, yeah. yeah. And they're playing one game yeah, a week. He, and then yeah. It, but he thought they're not going to get all these injuries which just completely defeated the point of what they were trying to do yeah because yeah. you know those players that when they do come back Thiago's not going to be fully sharp as soon as he comes into the team whether that's next week or the week after he's not just going to click it's going to take him a couple of games to get up to speed um, we obviously don't know how long Cater's out Henderson now has been taken out for two to three weeks and again when he comes back he's going to need a bit of time so I think it's extending it even further but I think, yeah, he was aware it was going to be a tough start to the season. The injuries haven't helped, but what what can he kind of do about it? He, he, and you have seen Klopp in the past get kind of tetchy with transfer questions and stuff like that. He was actually quite, I thought he was quite jovial with it, like even talking about the midfield issue where he said, well, oh, you were right and I was wrong, like that. We do actually need somebody now and stuff like that where in the past he might have been a bit tetchy when you stop asking about transfers we're not signing anybody I'm not talking about them but he was he was quite open so weirdly he hasn't looked a bit more maybe on the touchline he seemed a bit more yes. there's been a far more gesticulations and shouting at players and a few more dressings down from the touchline than we've used to seeing but in press conferences I haven't noticed much difference unless you have Ian I have not noticed any difference no, yeah. no. though you are right about him 
whirling his arms around a little bit more yeah. on the touchline. Uh, Simon, I, oh, sorry. I was, I was just, I was just, my highlight of the season was, was, it, was it John Ackerberg giving B signs? Yes. After the Newcastle oh, game. Yes, that yeah, was my yeah, highlight. Yeah. Oh, just touchline gesticulation. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a fan on the pitch. What's he doing? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's basically don't waste time, is what we've learned from that particular episode. Um, do you feel as though Liverpool have wasted a bit of time? See, that's a good segue. Uh, um, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, selling Artem Mellon. Or is it stopgap, or do you know anything about him? Or well, I know I know about him when he was at Barcelona, and he was yeah. excellent. He came to Tottenham and was the best player on the field, and apparently that was the uh, did reckon that's the best game he ever played. Yeah, but that's fine. Was but that if four, you, if four, if you, one, was it Barcelona? I, don't, I can't remember him and Messi, but just ran him off. But if you can reach those levels, there's no reason you can't again. At his age, he's not old. He's not he's not some player that you're just hoping to get someone out. of. The, the move to Juventus was a strange one in itself. It was some kind of financial. How can I say this? Miralem Pjanic went one way, he went the other. Pjanic doesn't even play for Barcelona. Well, he, he's on the books, but he's meant to be going it, to it, someone in. Saudi it helped Arabia them. Or it helped their financial situations the way it looks yeah. on the balance sheet. Uh, but I thought Juventus got the best end of that deal, and it just hasn't worked out for injuries and and for whatever reason. He's a very talented player. You've got him on a basically a try before you buy deal. If well, try if you want to buy him, you can have him. So I think, I think it's a pretty good deal. Talented player adds adds depth. It might not work out, but that will probably be because the likes of Harvey Elliott or Cavalio have kicked on dramatically, or you've got players back that are that are fit that are regulars. So I don't really see it as a a, a losing situation in any way. Paul, do you want to talk about the transfer, or have you sort yourself out of this one? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a player with pedigree, hasn't he? He's only played for Barcelona and Juventus. But I'd be slightly concerned, well, more than slightly concerned, that he's a deadline day signing on loan. Um, he's only 26, so, you know, if he has kind of gone down the wrong road and it's going to it's time to turn it round, and, and as Simon says, you know, he's, he's got plenty of quality. He's shown out when he was at Barcelona. <clears throat> he made, um, what was it? I think he made 31 appearances for Juventus last season, which is quite a lot when you consider that they were happy to kind of offload him he's not someone who was completely frozen out but <clears throat> he hasn't played since May has he? May the 11th um, yeah so I think it's going to be some some time before he's even able to you know contribute significantly to Liverpool's midfield issues by then you're certainly hopeful of Thiago coming back and Henderson maybe even Cater um, and Oxley chamberlain so um, Liverpool don't really do last gasp kind of panic buys but that to me was one that had several alarm bells of, of that ilk. Maybe not quite as desperate as Ben Davis on, on loan <laughs> in January 2021, but. Why um, are you laughing at that? Did you sign him? Yeah, he was signed. Yeah, 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 it wasn't yeah, a loan, it was yeah, just a full on signing. Yeah, the lesser yeah, sight of never, 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 never kicked the ball. But in all seriousness, it's better to solve the problem if you think it's going to be one or attempt to put, plug it than go, oh no, it's. Midway through the Champions League campaign, and we're yeah. live. The fact it's a loan deal means there's little risk there, is there? Like it might, that, might that also be fund related, shall we say, with FSG? Do you feel as though they didn't want to release any any money to sign somebody looking further down the line at possibly signing other people next season? I mean, Klopp, Klopp admitted as much, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. They weren't going to go and spend 100 million on on a, a top quality midfielder because the one they want. Seemingly want is is not available, and another one that they were after went to Real Madrid. So, um, they they're gonna wait till next summer, and 
there was other names thrown out there at um, Casido at Brighton, but you're talking 60, 60 odd million. They're not going to sell. They're after selling Cucciarella to Chelsea, and look how much Chelsea had to pay for him. So you ain't going to, if you've got a midfielder in mind, it's hard to then just, just change up. And FSG have shown, and Klopp has shown, and they just don't do that. Yes, they signed a Ben Davies, but he didn't play, and he, but he was cheap. Um, so there, there wasn't massive risk there. Um, it was plugging a gap the same way as this is plugging a gap. The thing about Arthur, you would worry. I know he's a very different player, but it's a midfielder, and they've just come out. Uh, Paul Pogba's have to have an operation. So how long is he going to be out? Um, but I think he'd started to return to training thing. when they got rid of him, and then he broke down. Okay, right, right, right. But even the so, if you if you know that he's got this issue, is yeah. it worth letting another midfield, even if it's it's not a similar player? But yeah, but there's no risk. It's a loan option. Is he gonna? Is he going to? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of noise. Yeah, look, at, look at the back of it, by the way. Look at the back. <laughs> oh well. It's hard to provide colour on the podcast. Yes. But, um, Describe the back for us. <laughs> It had a doll's head on it. <laughs> uh, which has made me lose my train of thought, which I was already losing anyway, but uh, so it's given me a good excuse. But yeah, low risk. Is he going to transform Liverpool's midfield? Certainly not. But I think, as Simon said, the hope is that these players will get back fit. The first out is the Thiago's, the Henderson's, and then it won't be such an issue. And he'll be able to come on in group games in Champions League and maybe help out in that way when instead of risking players when they're coming back from fitness what, what, what kind of surprises me is you know we know Liverpool certainly Klopp when he wants his first choice he, he waits not you know doesn't he so proved that when he was after Virgil van Dijk in the summer of 2017 and he waited until the January but Liverpool found out early on that too many was going to Real Madrid um, as far back as, as April you know we were told that everything was pointing towards his agents yeah, yeah, told yeah. the club that he's going to, to Real Madrid and cease and desist essentially so Liverpool had four months there to identify a a number two on, on that list of you know choice midfielders and, and they haven't been able to, to I think they probably anyone. did identify them but they made the decision didn't they to keep holding Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain I think they would have sold one of them as some probably Oxlade-Chamberlain because he had I think Simon, it's a, just going looking ahead to Wednesday, it's the Champions League. As a follower of Southampton, are you aware of European football? Uh, yes, and I'm also aware of good central midfield signings. You should have got Romeo Lavia for £10 million like we did. The fact that Chelsea <laughs> came in with a £50 million bid after four and a half Premier League games tells you he's... Uh, but... Champions League. You mean no, you've no, covered, no. You've, you can't you've bring covered, up Southampton. No, 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 you've, covered, you've covered these games for quite a while now. Yeah. Do you still get the same level of excitement? You don't just cover Liverpool, obviously. You cover all the English clubs. Yes. Um, it's that theme tune, isn't it? At the, at the start. It's, is it better than the Premier League theme tune? Oh yeah, for sure. Let's you, have a quick. You yeah. should tweet more about that. <laughs> yeah. You don't tweet enough about <laughs> that. I think that's the true. Main issue. <laughs> if you tweet more, they might change it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the old one. The yeah, the old one was good. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that one more. No, I love Champions League football. I, I'm really looking forward to going to this stadium. It's one of the few big ones I've got left to cover a game at. Oh, it'll be a, it'll be interesting. For yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a little bit interested uh, on a number of different levels. I'm looking forward to seeing Napoli as well. They're they're a, che- a team in changing a lot. Koulibaly's gone. Lorenzo Insigne's gone. A number of other players, people have come in that aren't as big names. There is a guy with actual a literal long big name, a Georgian guy yeah, who settled yeah, in yeah, really yeah. really well. 
Um, apparently, he's really exciting talent, so I'm looking forward to seeing him and maybe learning how to spell his name, if not say it. And then they've got Oshiman up front, so that'll be good. And it'll be good to see how Liverpool react. Obviously, first Champions League match since the final. I, Yeah, it'll just be an interesting evening. And, yeah, let's see what throws up for everyone. Now, just before we go on to you, Paul, Champions League final mm. there. Yeah. What was your take on everything that happened around it? Uh, it felt disorganised from the start. And, look, I appreciate that they had to organise it in a short amount of time because of what happened with Ukraine and Russia and the final supposedly being held in St Petersburg but Paris isn't this this isn't a place or Saint-Denis is not a place that isn't used to holding big international matches I've been to that stadium maybe five times during Euro 2016 and there was no such issues because I the the tunnel where everyone was getting clogged up that was my entrance in every time so I knew the system so I said to the my mate will get the taxi to drop us off here because it's empty it's the way in and when I turn up there's things blocking it and we, we were lucky that we got in there early and ob- obviously with the press badge you don't get treated like like scum like some of the Liverpool fans were um, yeah no it was horrible um, I came outside with Don King and a few other journalists about an hour before the match because we heard what was happening and my colleague Carl Markham stayed outside and reported on it very very well um, for, for for us at PA uh, and he seeing him after the game was kind of instructed me just how bad it was because he was very visibly shaken um, and he wasn't he, he was he was reporting on it rather than being stuck in it uh, the way they tried to cover up was a disgrace I'm sure far more qualified people have spoken about it uh, but the whole day was a even if Liverpool had won it it wouldn't have been the same as any of your other European triumphs because it just the football was an option it was very very weird being in the stadium when you knew what was happening outside yeah. and there was some Pepsi Max show with some pop yeah. star that yeah. was yeah, yeah it's just very surreal and probably showed where people's priorities are in the upper levels of football well looking ahead then just to the game finally Paul I mean what do you expect from, from Napoli from Liverpool in fact I mean Liverpool have been here three times in the past, never scored. The last two times they were here under Klopp, they got beat 2-0 and 1-0. I'm really building this one up for you. Yeah. Um, what's a good result for Liverpool here? I mean, too, uh, <laughs> when, when the draw was made, Liverpool still hadn't kind of hit this patch of form at the end. I think we, had, we did a podcast, didn't we? And I was very much of the opinion that Liverpool are going to breeze through the group even though they are kind of, you know, particularly the, the Rangers game, tasty fixes, aren't they? But I don't know at the moment. So I, I, I think Jürgen Klopp would take a draw in the end. Obviously, last year, he became the first thing that seemed to win all six games in what was supposedly a group of death. But they're, they're far away from that kind of form, that team at the moment. So I think a draw has to be considered a good result. Chris? Yeah, you did have to put hand off for a draw. I mean, you're away at probably the best, the second best team in the group. You would fancy Liverpool to beat Rangers home and away. Um, obviously going to Ibrox and the whole thing, but when you strip it back, it's Premier League football against Scottish Premier League uh, Premiership. It's there's, there's a gulf in class there. And the Ajax have obviously been a decent European team, but they've they've sold two of their best players. Um, so you would have to fancy it's going to be between Liverpool and Napoli for top spot in the group, even in Liverpool's form. So I think a draw. Wednesday night is a fantastic result and Klopp will definitely take it yeah I think I think a draw is a good result but I think Liverpool will win Napoli are a side that have exciting talents but they are in a rebuild 
phase themselves and that they don't have the same quality as Liverpool. So maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. My betting pattern suggests I'm normally wrong. And your fantasy league team as well. Yeah, apparently so. (laughs) Right, that should do us. Uh, Join us after the game where Paul will be chatting about Napoli against Liverpool. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.